0: So I've learned that you prepare for growth and you have the capacity. And then once you have the capacity, then you start this, the marketing piece, you do the sales piece, you start looking for new business and the new business comes in, then you can handle it. And then your customers won't be, dis, your existing customers won't be dissatisfied and your new customers won't be dissatisfied because you're, you're able to meet their quota. And that's the most important, that's the really most important thing that I've learned uh, and I, I really encourage any startup that don't rush to get more business, build the capacity, build the infrastructure. Then once your infrastructure is built, now you have the ability to be-
1: Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, a serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight-figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, Philip Hogan. And uh, Philip, is a quick introduction, so graduated high school in New York. Um, jumped around a bit, through, or in in uh, through the 70s and traveled through the 80s, um, and then settled in New York. And uh, decided to, or started to work in a family business, um, but then wanted to do something for himself, so went back to school and pursued a social worker uh, social working degree um, at uh, in the University of New York. Um, graduated and purchased a building I think in 2000 and decided to start a a business with uh, housing management, um, provided housing to those for substance abuse program or or coming out of substance abuse program, Um, did everything out of pocket, worked full time, ran the program for uh, several years, um, got a bit burned out, closed the program, sold the building, took a break um, and then decided to move to Georgia, found uh, a few new jobs and then uh, Ended up getting divorced, got a few better jobs, and then the last job was a uh, was uh, working at a program for providing housing for HIV uh, patients, and then shifted the um, uh, to a business that's more of a mobile uh, notary business, which is what he's doing today. So, with that much as an introduction, welcome on the pol- podcast, Philip.
0: Kevin, thank you. Glad to be here.
1: So I just, absolutely, and I just took a much longer journey and condensed it into a much shorter period of time, so let's unpack that a bit. So tell us a little bit about uh, how your journey got started in uh, New York, coming out of high school.
0: Oh, coming out of high school. Oh, gosh. Well, I graduated Hempst- I graduated Hempstead High School in 1975, and uh, at that time, just decided to do a little traveling. And At that point, I was pretty much like a sheltered child, and it was time for me to see the world a little bit and see how other people lived and, and associated themselves with the, their surroundings. So I traveled throughout the country uh, and I got opportunity to travel uh, internationally and uh, was able to live abroad for a little bit. And uh, for, I think for the best 10 years after high school, I just was really into the mode of finding myself and finding out how other people lived and find that to be quite enjoyable. Uh, but then when that time ran up, it was like, okay, you know, let's settle down, what are we gonna do here? So that's when I came back to New York and got involved in a family business a very successful family business that my dad has started, who was a, uh, a uh, uh, decorated retired police detective who's deceased now. And um, so he and my mom were running the business. He asked me to help him. And I decided to come and join. And it was a great experience. And uh, that was his dream. It wasn't my dream. It was his dream. But that was my father. So he asked me to come work for him. And how could you ever say no to your father? <laughs> so, 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 I did, and it was a great experience. I learned a tremendous amount. My business acumen that I have now, it has really come from my mother and father working side-by-side, side, seeing them build not only one, not only two, but, but three successful businesses. So, um, so then you know it came time to, again, find myself uh, on another level. And so I just, you know my father and I sat down, we had a conversation and I said, listen, pop, I need to go and do some other things with my life. And he understood unwillingly, and so then I uh, got invite, admitted into, I uh, started this, the pursuit of human services. So I got my undergraduate degree from metropolitan so
1: college. Let me just ask one or one quick question. I know i dive into the middle of your story, but one sure. of the questions I had is, you know, so you're working with your dad and I, I definitely get, Hey, how can you say no to family and helping them out and learning the family trade? and a lot of skills, but what was sure. kind of the, the genesis or the tipping point to say, okay, I need to go out and do things on my own. Was it, Hey. I can't stand working for my dad or say, I love you, dad, but I really have a different passions and different priorities or kind of what was that trigger, that tipping point to say, Hey, I want to go out and do my own thing. And that started down the path of going back to college.
0: Yeah, it was, as I mentioned earlier, that was my father's passion. That business was his business. And so I didn't join the business to really learn the business. I I somewhat, I, I mean, it was, it was part of the process, but my real passion and real reason for joining the business was just to be by my father's side and to help him and 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 to give him the assistance that he needed to build the business. And so at that, so so that was fulfilled. And then I forgot, then began to, to experience and said, well listen, this is really not my, this is not my path, right? This is really not the things that I want to do. It doesn't really express who I am as a person uh, deep down inside. Uh, as a family person, yes. As as uh, as a business person, yes. But as a passion for something for me to pursue, that just wasn't quite it. So we had, it It was a tough decision, Devin. It wasn't something that you can easily walk away from, you know, Um, but it was a decision that had to be made to bring me peace and also to help him be satisfied to know that, okay, well, listen, you know what, let me not think that my son is going to be here forever in a day when in fact he has some other desires to pursue himself. And so those, those are the reasons that uh, I, uh, those are the reasons that led me to move on. And in moving on, I uh, began to uh, my undergraduate degree in human services. Uh, did well there, and then I got accepted into Fordham University School of uh, Social Work. Uh, got a great social work degree, and um, this was in '97. So in '97, I got the opportunity to purchase a building, as you mentioned in your intro, and that's where I started. I decided, okay, how can I use the business acumen that I learned from my parents? coupled with the social services education I acquired from the school and the work that I was doing at the time. And at the time, I decided that to let's open up a transitional living community for adult men, formerly incarcerated, nonviolent drug offenders in Brownsville, Brooklyn, New York. So in 2000, October 2000, we opened up Housing Matters of New York and converted into a nonprofit and began providing the services to help these men transition back into everyday life.
1: Now, one question to that, because so how did you say so I, I, in one sense, that makes sense. You know, you're, you get the social worker degree, kind of where your passion when you're coming out and you got the building. On the other hand, you know, that would be, wouldn't be would have been the necessarily the first thing that would have come to mind of, you know, social work degree. In other words, you may go work for public services, you may mm-hmm. help people get jobs and that. So what kind of drew you to that or what made you decide, hey, I'm going to go through, set up the nonprofit, do a business or, you know, mm-hmm. set up the, the, the business and, and do that or at least, you know, and offer those services? How did you kind of land on that as kind of where you wanted to head?
0: Sure. And so at the time, uh, in 1993, I got hired with the Health and Hospital Corporation. Uh, outpatient substance abuse program and there we were doing a lot of we were treating our clients were those mandated into treatment for substance abuse by the division of parole uh, administration for children services and other state type run agencies that are required to monitor the movement of those that have been admitted into their programs so. At that point, for and, and I had the opportunity to do this work while I was throughout my entire educational uh, uh, venture. And so I realized that many men were coming home from corrections facilities, going back into the, the, the city shelter system, and where more crimes were being created, or they were creating crimes. And what was happening, they were being reincarcerated because they had a parole violation. So these men were, who, and they couldn't go into the uh, the New York City Public Housing Authority, because they had felony convictions, and a, a person with a felony conviction cannot live in the project or in public housing. So they were only, the only option were to go into the shelter system. All the other type of transitional living communities beds were filled, and so at that time there was a tremendous amount of uh, men and women coming off the correctional facilities, and really the systems to provide services to were, oh, them were being flooded. Because so many people were coming home and they just weren't prepared to meet those type of numbers. So I said to myself, well, the issue here is that they need housing, right? And the program that I was working for didn't get into housing. And they didn't have people who were really many. They didn't have any any collaborative relationships with those who could provide housing. So I said, well, you know what? I'm going to start a housing program. And one of my one of my professors asked me, he says, okay, just as we are graduating, he says, okay, Philip, now that you have graduated, what are you going to do with your degree? And I said to him, I wanted to get the housing." And so when I graduated, the opportunity to purchase this building became available, and I did just that.
1: No, no, I think that, you know, I think one, that, that's a, a great mission to be on and, and say, hey, I recognize that there's a need in the community i think that they can make an impact and make a help utilize both the degree as well as you know um just generally wanting to to have that giving nature which i think definitely um is a a great uh, mission to to set out on so now so you set out on that you know you get the housing and i think you did that for a period of five years is that right
0: five mm yes
1: and then i think as you as you mentioned or as we chatted a bit before the podcast at the end of towards the end of that five years you got, you got a bit burned out. In other words, there's a lot yeah. of time, a lot of effort you're having to, you know, spend a lot of extra, you know, spend a lot of your, I'm sure nights, weekends, all of your free time thinking about it, running it and otherwise doing it. And so you're coming out and saying, okay, I'm getting a bit burned out, which definitely understand. And so now as you're saying, okay, I'm getting burned out and I want to do a something, you know, do something else. I want to shift or a pivot or adjust kind of how did you decide, okay, as I'm burning out and I want to do something else where, what was going to be the next part of your journey?
0: Sure. Well, you know, we had we uh, became a nonprofit. We got our five hundred one c three, and we got some funding, some some private funding, some state funding, and uh, some city funding. And so we were doing well in regard to we had more more need for the services opposed to the funding for the services. And so I was doing my best to convince uh, those at the city and the state level that this is a program that is is essential for this community and your involvement financially and um, proactively would make a huge difference in the community because these, these men are coming home, these men committed crimes, they, they came from these communities, they committed crime in these communities, and they're gonna come back to these communities and if they don't have any place to live, guess what? They may, may, create, uh, may do more crime that would then what hurt the community in addition to put them back in prison. So rather than see that happen, Let's join a comp- let's join an organization that is there to meet the needs of these of both the community residents as well as the uh, the new as well as the former incarcerated. <clears throat> so both parties could possibly have their needs met. Well, the community quite didn't see it that way, and after just repeatedly speaking to a number of individuals, I just got, I got uh, between working full time, raising a family, two children and a wife, and I you know, have my own private home. And then, you know, just trying to tend, tend to the needs of the business, I just got, I got, I got torched. And so I had a conversation with uh, the board, the board president, and I let her know where I was, where I was. And it was a very difficult decision um, because we thought that we were really on the right track to make a difference in the community. Uh, but after some soul searching, after, after the admission of me being just completely burned out, we decided to suspend the services. So we we went on ahead and transitioned the men from the building into uh, other programs so that they can continue on with their treatment. And when the building was completely empty and all residents' personal property had been transferred to their new residence, that's when I put the building up for sale and I sold it. And really, uh, Devin. You know, as I look back, that time I was, I, I had been working hard from probably about 1993 to 2005. I mean, it was just chasing the, the education, the, the career goals, the educational goals, the family goals. And so when I stopped in 2005, I hadn't realized I had been running, uh, not running, but working so hard and so focused on meeting the goals that were placed in front of me that I was due for a good break. And so at that time, also, my son, who is now 27 and lives in Georgia, was graduating from his uh, undergraduate, he was graduating from his uh, junior high school, his his, his elementary school went to the sixth grade, and he would have had to travel to a largest high school, uh, junior high school in another part of Queens, New York. And my son had never traveled underground to trains and trains and buses and public transportation before in his life. So to say, to put Philip on a uh, on a bus or train and say, okay, this is how you get to school, it just wouldn't have worked for him, and and I knew that. So you know, uh, my wife and I at the time decided, well, what's the next best thing to do? We had some friends in Georgia, and uh, they invited us to come down, and check some things out, and so I, so we drove down to Georgia, and I said, this is a place where I think Philip and his sister can continue to live and grow up in a slower environment, a safer environment where we could be a part of a community. And that was, and so that was the decision. And we relocated to Georgia in 2005.
1: And I say, and I think that definitely, you know, make or making the move for the family saying, Hey, we need a, environment will be you know good for school both that you know i get i don't know that i'd want to put my kid on the subway or have them go out in the world i'd probably be a bit too protective and i definitely get where that uh that desire comes in says okay i'd like to you know make that transition that shift and then it's a, a good time to do so as he's grad you know as he's, as he's moving along in his education and he's doing that now on the kind of on the career side as you're now moving into a different area you know something that you're you know, I would assume that without or having, you know, compared to the side, New York and Georgia are going to be a bit of a different environment, different things that are, are going on and then that. So how did you kind of transition your career or what did you do as you're moving into a new town? Probably not knowing it, you know, other than having maybe a few friends, not knowing as many people or having connections. How did you kind of land on what your the next phase of your career was?
0: That's a great question, Devin. And I, I'm, I'm kind of I'm an adventurous person. So, you know, we just decided that Georgia was a great place to live. Uh, the economy was pretty stable. Uh, this part of, uh, I live in the Atlanta region. And so this part of Georgia was really up and coming. And um, so I says, you know, let's go for it. So we packed up and literally came back, sold up, sold my, uh, uh liquidated the real estate we had in New York. And my son and I first came down. And um, so I felt that since I had a very good education uh, from a tremendously well-known school, both Undergraduate and graduate level that I shouldn't really, ha- and then I had the experience, and I shouldn't have any problems finding a job. And I didn't. I didn't have problems finding a job. I just had problems finding a job that could earn that I could earn the type of money that I was earning in New York. That was the challenge. Right? So, so I found myself, you know, leaving jobs and taking another job uh, for the sake of the money, opposed to the really passion for the work that I was doing. And I had my family. We had built a home in Georgia, so I had responsibilities, and I had to make decisions for the the welfare of my family. And so, therefore, I did uh, in a short period of time. I was able to, I maybe changed two to three jobs, and this, the third job was finally one that really fit. We it was a fit. It was a, it was organizational fit, and it was a career fit in myself. And so, uh, I worked there for about a year. About a year, year and a half, and uh, then I got laid off, and uh, and it was and it was a layoff. You know, it was interesting because it was a, it was a HIV community. It was a HIV a program for people with HIV positive, and HIV is a, is a uh, disease that's ravishing all type of communities, uh, but in the in the HIV community is predominantly this, the workers and those that, that do the work are predominantly in the gay community. And uh, I don't have a problem with with uh, being working with anyone of any denomination or any sexual orientation. You know, you are who you are, and we're coming together for a common cause. Uh, but I just wasn't a fit for the community uh, because I'm I'm a straight guy, and people would look at me and say, "Well, listen, you know, straight men don't do this type of work. Why are you doing this type of work?" And I would my response to them is says, "You don't have to be. You know, HIV doesn't select what your gender is." or <laughs> your sexual orientation it is what it is and so we have to be open minded to all walks of life uh for workers as well as those that come to us for assistance uh but it was just it was it it it, it became a um it became an issue as to my sexual orientation in a industry where uh straight african american men are not known to work so that became more of an issue opposed to the issue that brought us to the table, which was declines at HIV positive. So it was a mutual decision for, uh, for me to be released because I just wasn't a fit for that particular assignment. That
1: definitely, you know... Makes sense in the sense that when you're working with anybody, it, it is has to be a, a cultural fit. It has to be a, a fit where everybody feels comfortable. And if that's not the right environment, even if it's no fault of your own, it's one where you have to say, OK, I've got to find one where it, it is a good fit. And it's one where everybody, you know, everybody's comfortable and everybody it's a good uh, environment for everybody and everybody can have, make sure to serve everybody. So now as you're saying, OK, that's not a good fit. You know, I might or, or look for, you know, a different opportunity or different. Um, you know or place or area to within which to explore your talents what was kind of the the next step or phase or what was the next uh, part of your journey
0: yeah uh, well the next step was to uh, you know with his social work degree from Fordham University I, I was really committed to providing you know I, I you know uh, devin my family my mom my 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 dad um, our public servants were public servants uh, my sisters, are uh have advanced degrees and you know they're public servants in one capacity or the other so we are just we're a family of servants we believe in serving the, the needs of those in our communities and in our in our uh families in our regions and so i was committed to continuing to be to be of service to those in need and that's what i was trained to do so I uh, was able to get another job uh, with a very successful nonprofit here in the Atlanta area, and um, and so I, I we worked together uh, as a, I was a director of human services program, and um, and I think I was there for maybe I don't know two three years, and uh, it was a family run it's a family run nonprofit. So while we did great work there were some challenges to me ascending to a higher position of leadership because the family was at the, at the top echelon of the, the, the organization. And so my opportunity for, for growth had been capped. And I realized that there wasn't just any more room for me to grow. And if I wanted to stay in this position for the next 10, 15, 20 years, that'd been fine by them but I had much more aspirations. And I was just too talented and too ambitious to, to remain there. So I got another opportunity uh, with the company where we, we were providing uh, <clears throat> HIV uh, uh, homeless prevention program for, HIV, for people HIV positive down in South Georgia. And that was a great program because uh, they were awarded you know, a whole bunch of money, about $250,000 to an HIV homeless prevention program. In South Georgia, and um, so I was able to. I got hired and had to set up the program in South Georgia while I remained in Atlanta. So we had the staff, we had the, the we had the office, we had all the, all the things needed to to run this program, and uh, but we only had a year to spend two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and that's a quite a bit of money in the nonprofit world to spend when you don't have the structure. When I say the, the infrastructure to to spend it. You know the money was only supposed to be utilized for um, for those that are in, that are uh, recipients of the program. You couldn't use it for administrative costs. So trying to spend a quarter million dollars without in, in administrative costs was kind of challenging. And the company, the the nonprofit, didn't have the the, the um, they didn't have the resources to hire more staff and pay them to assist in getting the work done. So we on a limited budget. Um, with limited staff, we were not refunded. So that was a year. It was a good experience. And um, so then I kind of, like I said, I tried to find more work and I just couldn't find more work. And I, I really got burned out. I got burned out looking for more, more work. I knew I had a very good degree. I knew I had the experience. I knew I had the passion to really be a service. And, um, but I just didn't, I just got tired of, of, of the rejections I got tired of you know resumes falling into the black hole, so to speak so I just pulled back and um and then one day I met a notary who came to my home to notarize some documents and I had never heard of a notary coming to your home to notarize documents so I says okay what's this all about and you know he after the notarization we chatted he, he learned, taught me a little bit more about how he became a notary and how he became to to doing this type of work. And I said, okay, you know what? I could do this. I I could do this. This is something that I think I can do. It doesn't require me going back to school because I was really burned out with going back to school. So I got my notary commission, pretty much followed his his blueprint to become a mobile notary and um, went to the National Notary Association's website. Learned how to and took the certification courses to become a certified notary signing agent, which would then allow you to then train us on how to notarize mortgage documents, understand the mortgage process. So, uh, so I learned that uh, in in one vein, if you will, and then in another vein, I was interested in becoming a mortgage loan officer. So I went and learned how to become a mortgage loan officer. Well, um, I learned a lot. And but when it came time to take the test to become a a, a licensed loan officer, I didn't pass. And so I said, okay, well, maybe you didn't you're not meant to become a loan officer, Philip, because you're pursuing it for the money. And you can't, that's not that's never been your your objective in life. So um, so I decided to stick with the notary. And um, and then the notary business grew. I began to be getting more customers, I, I I learned the process, I didn't know anything about the notary signing business. I knew nothing about it. Everything that I learned I learned by by just uh, on the job training, so to speak and um I had a really great client out of Florida that was sending us a lot of business, uh, a lot of refinance business, and I just couldn't handle all of it so um, so they they asked me, well, Philip, you know we have a lot of business and we want to send it to you, uh, but you're having some difficulty um, managing our book of business. What are you going to do? Well, that was the million-dollar question. Do you, do you walk away from this opportunity or do you rise? And so I said, I'm going I'm to start a signing service. And they said, okay, great. Let us know when you're up. So in July of 2016, I launched Signing Services of America, which is a national notary signing service. We are hired by national mortgage lenders and title insurance companies to schedule and close any of their mortgage product loans throughout the United States. So in 2016, we started signing service America. I had this account that was sending us about 150, $200 a month. And back then for that type of business with the startup it was fantastic. I mean, no business comes in the door, making money. We were making money, but I was learning along the way at Devin. So, so, um, so Fast forward, uh, we got through 2016 uh, with some bumps and bruises, um, but 2017 is when things kind of like fell apart and um, the the business, that, that company went out of business and that was my main source of revenue. And so I had to really learn the sales side of the business and so I had to learn the marketing side of the business and then, you know, I, between the two, I, I was just able to um, piece together smaller accounts that can allow us to continue to keep the doors open. I did hire one person in 2016. She, I had to let her go in 2017. And so in 2017 is when I was really pushed to the brink of, I don't think this is going to work, Philip, you're going to have to walk away from it, you know. Um, so, During in that year, Devin, it it was a time. It was a very trying time. Um, I used to listen to a lot of motivational tapes uh, or YouTube videos. Um, I talked a lot. I prayed a lot. I cried a lot. Um, I I challenged myself to get up every day. I was very depressed. Um, Many days I didn't want to get out of bed. Many days I I I just I, I I got out of bed, but then we're going to the office. Um, but I think that office, I think that office was a big part of me hanging in there because I had a, I had a rental agreement with my landlord and it was, you know, whether you close the doors and never, never do business again or not, you still have to pay your rent. And so I said, well, shoot, if I close the doors and go home, guess what? I still got to pay rent. So I got to pay rent then I might as well stay here and fight. And so, and that was one of the things that really, that really kept me going. He said, you know, you got to pay this rent, Philip. And if you got to pay the rent, then you might as well fight it out. So days were long then, Devin. You know, uh, they were very long. Days were started at nine o'clock and sometimes they went into one, two o'clock in the morning. But that's what was required. And um so we got through 2017. And when I got through 2017, it was like, it was a major breakthrough, man, because then it was like, okay, you could do this, Philip, you know, and um so 2018, you know, uh, had its own set of issues, but we weren't we we never had the kind of financial issues we did in 2017, right? There were other issues, right? And and I'd be happy to talk about those, um, but I'll let you ask some questions or something. No, <laughs> I think that that's
1: definitely a great walkthrough, and it's always, you know, I think that it, it paints that real picture of, you know. People oftentimes just have the idealized, well, you know, yeah, there's a few hard years, but oh, it was fine because it all worked out in the end. And in reality, it really does. or it does take a toll, and you do get burned out. It is a lot of work, and you having to, you know, to have the un, un, or the less than fun situation of letting people go and then rebuilding it, and otherwise fighting and struggling. All which I think is real, and and, and paints that real situation. So I think that that is uh, definitely. Uh, a great uh, a great walkthrough of your journey and an interesting one of that so now you kind of you know as we talked a little bit before um you, you know the business is still going you're able to you know you kind of uh, pivot and adjust and then otherwise keep it uh, growing and building and as you're having to, to navigate that um, it, it brings you to a bit to today and I think there'd be definitely some uh, fun conversations to have maybe on a, a future episode or have you back and talk a little bit more about kind of um, now how you, you know, as you struggle through where the business is at today and where it's going. Um, but with that, you know, we are, as we wrap up towards the end of this or this podcast episode, I always uh, wrap up the episode with two questions. And so the first question I always ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? And what'd you learn from it?
0: Along well, my journey was the worst business decision I made when I learned from it. Um, for so many. Um I think that uh yeah. I think the worst business decision I made, uh Devin, was to walk away from my father. And um and uh walk away from my father's business. I think that uh the the while he understood it, it was very painful for the both of us. I'm his only son, and that was his legacy. And it would have been, as I look back, it would have been an honor to be able to continue my father's legacy and not allow another family person to do that right Um, so I think that that was the worst business decision
1: no I think that that's you know that is a hard one in the sense that I've worked with family on some businesses and it's oftentimes worked out great but it does have that layer of complexity and it does have that layer of you know, is it one, you're having to do, deal with a family dynamic, and two, you're doing it for other motivations, and sometimes it's the right decision to walk away to preserve a relationship or to explore or go after your passion. Other times you're looking saying, hey, I wish I stuck around, or it could have been, it turned out differently, so I think that that is definitely a, a mis, or, you know, mistake or the worst decision, but also definitely one to understand, and that it allowed you to, to pursue or some of the other passions that you have. Second question I always ask is, if you're talking to someone that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you give them?
0: To take your time and grow. Take, to, uh, take your time. That, you know, <clears throat> the growth of a business, you can, you can either, yeah, you can either, the business, you could prepare for growth and then do well, or um, you don't have the capacity for growth and you get the new business and you're not able to handle it. So you'll wind up losing the business and you could possibly lose, you'll lose the accounts and you'll lose the business. So I've learned that you prepare for growth and you have the capacity. And then once you have the capacity, then you start this, the marketing piece, you do the sales piece, you start looking for new business and the new business comes in, then you can handle it. And then your customers won't be, your existing customers won't be dissatisfied and your new customers won't be dissatisfied because you're you're able to meet their quota. And that's the most important, that's the really the most important thing that I've learned. Uh, and I, I really encourage any startup that don't rush to get more business, build the capacity, build the infrastructure. And then once your infrastructure is built, now you have the ability to meet the needs of your clients.
1: No, and I think that that's a, a great uh, piece of advice. And I think that, you know, oftentimes you, we are focused on growth and growth is a great thing for businesses. If you're not, you know, growing can uh, bring in more revenue and that. But if you're so focused on growth, oftentimes you are aren't focused on, you know, you lose track of the customer service or otherwise providing good or, you know, providing a good service to your customers and taking care of them and, and, and all those things. And it can have that negative repercussion of, Hey, yes, we're growing. On the other hand, our clients are unhappy and we're, you know, has that negative long-term impact on your business. Whereas if you can set it up to have that structure and that ability in place that, as you grow, you're able to meet the needs of your clients. It's a much better um, path forward. So I think that's a great, uh, great takeaway and a great piece of advice. Well, as we uh, wrap up, if people want to reach out to you, they want, you know, they're looking for a mobile notary, they're wanting to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to set up their own or they want to pick your brain about how you've done it. They want to be an investor, they want to be an employee, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above. What's the best way to reach out to you, contact you or find out more?
0: Sure, be happy to talk with you and anyone else or anyone of your, in your audience, Devin. So my email is p hogan. That's uh, P H O G A N at Signing Services of America dot com. Our website is Signing Services of America dot com. And our telephone number is 770-984-5398 or
1: 9. Well, I definitely encourage everybody to check out any or all above email, website, or give them a call. Because uh, definitely is a great service to, for those that are in need. And I think and also uh, an interesting uh, business opportunity for those that may be uh, wanting to look into it. So, well, thank you again uh, for coming on the podcast. It's been uh, fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to be a, a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. Um, feel free to uh, apply to be on the show. Just go to inventiveguest.com um, and apply. A um, couple more things as listeners, make sure to listen, make sure to subscribe, make sure to share, leave us a review. In other words, help us uh, make sure that we can share these journeys with all those uh, all the other entrepreneurs and startups out there so they can be helped along their journey as well. Last but not least, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, or anything else through the business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. Well, thank you again, Phil, for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun, it's been a pleasure, and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last.
0: Devon, it's been a pleasure being a boy. Thank you so much for the opportunity.